0: Hey everybody, welcome to Chatter Up's bonus episode. As promised, here we go talking about the World Series. We'll talk about Clayton Kershaw, game four, cash taking out Snell, Turner's COVID debacle, and where we rank this World Series on a scale of one to ten. Jared, you ready for this?
1: I'm pumped man. First bonus content episode in chatter up history. This
0: is historical. Let's do this and let's chatter up. Jared, in unbelievable fashion, the twenty twenty baseball season has come to a close. I don't know if you remember, but I know at least I didn't predict that this would have even happened. I said that this season was gonna end early. Unbelievable. The Dodgers have won the World Series. Like overall thoughts. Yeah, you were not alone on that, Bobby. I remember Buster
1: only saying as this I think this was either right before the season started, right after, that there was like a five percent chance that they would finish the season and they did not without hiccups along the way. And, and even a huge one that we'll talk about that, that just occurred, but I guess they do deserve some credit for actually uh, getting through this. I don't know. I don't know if I would say they handled it well, but I guess it could have been worse.
0: Yeah. And not to linger on this too much, but you know, I remember in the beginning when the Marlins were quarantined for what seemed like forever, the schedule was thrown off and you also had the Cardinals and, it, it looked like a disaster, and I remember talking to you both on and off the air. I was like, this isn't going to happen. This just isn't sustainable, and they made it work. They really did. Everybody played 60 games. You know, I, 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 a tip of the cap to, I guess, Rob Manfred, because he doesn't get many of them, and so tip of the cap to him and the schedule makers. They, they got it done, and we got at least some semblance of a baseball season. Yeah,
1: so let's talk about the
0: World Series, Bobby,
1: and let's start bigger picture before we get into the individual games of the series. Clayton Kershaw, Bobby, it looks like he maybe got the monkey off his back finally. He, he, both and we've talked about it before. He has this bugaboo, I guess, that people talk about that he doesn't get it done in the big moments. He's, he's one of the best regular season pitchers in the history of baseball. That's not, that's not hyperbole. And to this point, he hadn't really shown up in the postseason in a lot of moments. I'm not going to say every one of his starts uh, previously has been bad because he's had good ones. But it seems more often than not, you see those highlights of him like with his hands on his knees or sitting in the dugout just staring into space. In the World Series, he pitched two games. The Dodgers won both. I think his ERA was 2.3 and he had 14 strikeouts. So do you think Kershaw finally got the monkey off his back and defeated this narrative?
0: I do. I, I think he absolutely did. And I think he further cemented his legacy as the greatest pitcher of our generation. I think he'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who has been as dominant for as long as he has. You know, we've spoken about before how it feels like Kershaw's 40, and he feels like he's been around forever. But he hasn't, but it feels that way because he's been doing it consistently for so long. Yes, he's had playoff struggles, and it's not to take away from that, but like, even if he hadn't won this World Series, I'd still say that he was and is the greatest pitcher of our generation. How many guys you know have done it as consistently as he has? And then his performance in this postseason, especially the World Series, I mean, he was lights out. Was he, did he put on the greatest World Series pitching performance ever? No. And anybody that says that is wrong. There's been many, many, many better performances. But the guy was great. And when you have an ace like that, you throw him out in the World Series, you expect you expect to win. You expect to win, and at the very least, you expect to be damn near close to competitive the entire time. And he was. And he was excellent, and they were, and because of him, they won the World Series.
1: Yeah, it's tough when you look at this in reality because sure, like has he been as good in the postseason as he's been in the regular season? No. But part of that is because A, he's like I said, one of the best regular season pitchers of all time. And so, like, you're measuring him against a bar that is extremely difficult to meet. And, B, like, you know, in the postseason, he's going up against the best teams. So, to say, like, that he's not pitching as well against the best teams, you know, it, it feels a little bit hollow. But at the same time, I can't argue with the fact that there have been, you know, multiple outings that he's had, multiple bad moments in the playoffs do I think this narrative is dead? Unfortunately, I think it's been around so long that I'm not sure he'll ever be able to totally kill it because, like you said, it feels like Kershaw's been around forever. He's like 32 years old, so he's not going anywhere anytime soon. The Dodgers are not going anywhere anytime soon, so he's probably going to pitch a lot more playoff games, let's just say, over the next five years of his career. And even if 90% of those go pretty well, every time he has one of those 10% starts where he doesn't pitch well in the playoffs, you're going to hear it come back out again, like, oh, Clayton Kershaw in the playoffs. You can't expect to get the same guy. And so do I think that's fair? Probably not. But unfortunately for him, that's kind of just the reality,
0: unless literally every playoff start from here on out goes really well. I I understand that. I get that point. But, you you know, he also has the most strikeouts in postseason history. And a matter of risk though. Sure. But, you know, you have to be able to get there to make that happen. And you have to pitch well enough to start striking guys out. And and so I, he did that, and he was great this postseason. I understand that there's that narrative, and, and I hear that, but this has got to put that to bed. It's it's enough. He's he's one of the best ever. He came through when it mattered, especially in a shortened season. And so maybe the argument can be made that, like, well, let's see him do it over 162 games. Maybe there's a fatigue factor here that, like, wasn't present this year. Right. And so, okay, sure, maybe, but – they're going to the playoffs next year, 100%. And he'll have another opportunity. And if he's not, if he's even decent, like, this, this has got to go. He's, he's too good and it's too much of a legacy.
1: And let's not forget, and people who raise the narrative often conveniently do, that some of these bad starts came in 2017 against the Astros, who we know are cheating, and 2018 against the Red Sox, who sounds like, I mean, like, no one really knows what was going on there not to the degree of the Astros, but, like, there was some shenanigans going on. And, of course, like, if you want to dump on Clayton Kershaw, you won't mention that, but that's the reality of the situation. Again, does it excuse all the past bad performances in the playoffs? No, but I I don't think this is really a fair narrative. But let's turn Bobby to what was undoubtedly the best game of this World Series, maybe the best game of, I don't know, the last 10 World Series, and that was Game 4 on Saturday night. The Rays were down 2-1, to so not a must-win game, but, like, Going down three to one, you're in a pretty bad spot. And it set a World Series record of having eight straight half innings where a team scored a run. And that's Mm -hmm. what was so amazing about the game, back and forth, back and forth. It was like watching a a tennis rally that, like, you know, just one side to the next. Every team is, like, they're, they're both going punch for punch. And it ends on just a ridiculous play, a hit by Brett Phillips, who has, like, one hit in the last year. Chris Taylor bobbles the ball in the outfield. Randy Arozarena comes around third, falls down, still somehow manages to score based on, I guess, an error by Will Smith. Just give me your overall thoughts on the, on the game, Bobby, before
0: we really get into it. Yeah, the, the game itself, I think, has to go down as one of the most exciting World Series games ever. And I'm refraining from saying the word best because I think there's a difference. Best for me is like quality of play. Exciting is different, and don't get me wrong—I like both. I think both are great, but especially on that last play, like that wasn't quality baseball; it was just really, really exciting. Now, maybe I'm splitting hairs here, and maybe the most exciting can also be the best. But it, either way, it was awesome. It really was. You know, you used multiple sports analogies there. First, you had the tennis and the boxing. I was thinking the boxing too—that like they were going punch for punch every time somebody on the Dodgers got a hit, then the Rays got a hit. You know, it was it was really something. I thought the pitching was not so great. You know, right. they just but I, I would also argue that the offense on both teams were just out hitting the pitching. And it's not like every pitch was just hung. It wasn't. They just made good swings. You know, Corey Seeger put on a postseason for the ages and and didn't let down the World Series either. It's when he won why he won the MVP in the LCS and the World Series. And he kept striking. And Rosarena was also just Arena, which was what turned out to be the only guy on the rays who could produce outside of like one game from brandon Lowe. yeah it's crazy Arena, i think he has 10 career postseason homers and eight
1: career regular season homers now which is just nuts but in terms of the game itself you're right i mean i don't think anyone can argue that it's not an instant classic right away like the second that game ended everyone that was watching it was like that's one of the better World Series games, or, or let's just say one of the most exciting World Series games that they can remember. 100%. Now, I, I heard a lot of people saying, like, that's the best World Series game ever. That, to me, is just, like, total recency bias in the sense, first of all, it's a game four, right? Like, it's very hard. It's not an elimination game. It's not a deciding game it's very hard for a game four to beat like a classic game seven because of the stakes, right? Like we said, the Rays, of course, didn't want to lose that game, but even if they had, they'd go down three to one, which like we saw in the Dodger Braves series is not impossible to come back from
0: 2016. would like to have a word with these people.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And the other part of it is that the Rays ends up losing the series, which like doesn't take away from the individual game, but I think realistically it has to a little bit, I don't know if tarnish is the right word, but look, that's, that's the reality that, at the end of the day, it didn't result in a World Series championship for the Rays. If it does, you know, if this gets to Game 7, the Rays win it. This game is talked about forever. Will it still be talked about? Yes, but not to the same degree, I think. But overall, I mean, still an incredible game.
0: And for sure one that I think we will remember for a long time. Absolutely. And, and, and there's one point about this that I just want to, like, take a look at quickly. And that last play, the ball gets hit out to center field. Taylor bobbles. But hits the cutoff, man. He hits Max Muncy. So I have two questions. One, is Muncy more to blame here for – it wasn't an on-target throw. Now, granted, Will Smith missed it. But one, is he to blame there? And two, should he have even been there? If Taylor throws that ball straight home and it doesn't get cut off, is is it a different play? Yeah, it's a
1: good point. It might be. But the the truth is, the person that I really thought to kind of blame here was Kenley Jansen. And not just for giving up the hit, but Kenley Jansen immediately after giving up the hit, like kind of went into no man's land. Like he did not back up third base. He didn't back up home plate. He just kind of stood there. And had Kenley Jansen been backing up home plate, he could have alerted Will Smith that a Rosarena had fallen down. And like the reason that that ball got past Will Smith was because he was kind of rushing to catch it and do it at this swipe tag which was completely unnecessary because a arena had fallen down, but he wasn't aware of it because no one called that out to him. Who probably should have been the one to do that? Kenley Jansen. He's just like standing there. And if he does that and Will Smith doesn't rush to try to catch it and make a swipe tag in the same motion, maybe he catches, you know, maybe he's able to recover and tag him out in time. And, you know, that at that point, the game would have gone to extra innings. So they, maybe they lose later anyway, but I thought, to me, Kenley Jansen was the one to blame, and not just for giving up the hit, but just for being out of position afterwards.
0: And, and, and on that same trend of thought, you know, I, it was surprising to me how in the World Series, Dave Roberts continuously went back to Kenley Jansen. In yeah, he finally way. learned his lesson after that. Seriously, but, like, he wasn't that good before that. You know, yeah. he, he, he had major struggles. Why do you keep going back to this guy? You know, Blake Trinan was excellent. Yeah. Why are you not going to try it in more often? It just, it, it didn't make sense to me. And so I think as a whole, that game was incredible. I thought it was incredibly exciting. I loved the ending. It was wild. And as you said, it's, it's, it's one that I think we'll never forget. Now, speaking of things people will never forget, let's talk about Kevin Cash's decision in game six to take out Blake Snell, who had given up two hits and he took him out, and they lost. Now, can you directly blame Kevin Cash for losing the World Series? I think that's a little far. But, you know, we've spoken about this kind of stuff before, so I assume I know the answer to this question. Jared, would you have made that same move? (laughs) I mean, it plays right into what we talked about. I think it was in the last episode, right, with, like, how baseball
1: is played now. I think the second that Blake Snell gave up that hit, and we saw Kevin Cash coming out of the dugout, we knew what was happening, right? Like, in the old days, you would have maybe seen Blake Snell being able to convince Kevin Cash, like, give me at least let me get out of this inning. At least give me another batter. Um, Because, like we talked about with Charlie Morton in Game 7 of the ALCS, he was dealing. He might have even been pitching better than Morton at that time. You know, every Dodgers hitter was ecstatic when Blake Snell left the game. And to me, like, it's as simple as that. I get... You know, I get that the stats point to, well, when he faces the lineup for the third time in a game, like his the OPS skyrockets against him and his ERA goes up. I understand it. Like that's why that's why I understand the decision, but this is what we talked about last week, that you just there has to be some feel. There has to be a human element to this where Blake Styles pitching the game of his life. And it's also important to note, he's not just some random schmo out there who's like happens to be pitching a good game. Like in the Division series against the Yankee against yeah when they played the Yankees, Jordan Montgomery pitched Game Four for the Yankees and he pitched a good game and he came out after four innings and it was like okay very understandable Jordan Montgomery is like a back end starter let's you know they they went as far with him as they could and they looked to get to the bullpen quickly because like he could lose it very quickly he doesn't have a track record of being able to do this Blake Snell won the Cy Young in 2018 like we're not dealing with someone who doesn't have a pedigree the guy is undoubtedly one of the best pitchers in baseball. And when a guy who has his stuff and his ability is throwing the ball like that to the point that, like I said, every Dodger is ecstatic when he leaves the game, when they see Kevin Cash coming out, take him out, it's just not the right move. It's just, I I know what the numbers say, but there has to be some room for human feel. And I think every single person watching that game was like, what are you doing? And and, And let me just say one last thing. He brought in Nick Anderson who's great during the regular season, but he wasn't good in the playoffs. He had six straight appearances giving up a run. So you're not going to Mariano Rivera. You're going to Nick Anderson. What's the rush?
0: Yeah, I don't understand why he did that. And and don't get me wrong. Nick Anderson was great in the regular season, but he was clearly struggling in the postseason. I don't know what you're thinking. The top of the order of the Dodgers, one through three, was 0 for 6 with six strikeouts. Clearly they were struggling. And in every interview afterwards, Everybody, Dave Roberts, Mookie Best, they all basically said they took a huge sigh of relief when they saw Snell come out of the game because they're like, okay, we don't have to do this again. And, 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 and you're right. You know, like I, I understand the decision. And that's what got the race to the World Series. Let's not forget this. Kevin Cash played the numbers all year long. And look where it got him. It got him within two wins of winning a championship. That's pretty damn good. So he shouldn't be fired over this decision. This isn't the worst thing he could have ever done, but it will haunt him. And also John Smoltz, who was calling the game, made a really interesting point when they were talking about it towards the eighth inning. These days, a lot of managers are playing the numbers, which we know, but he said, and he's right, managers are looking for any reason to take a pitcher out of the game and are no longer looking for reasons to leave them in. And, and I thought, what a, what a great point. Because that's exactly what happens so many times. You're looking for that one thing to say, okay, it's time to get him out of the game because you want to be ahead of the curve. Maybe he elevates a fastball. Maybe his curveball's spiking every time. But this wasn't it. It just, it just wasn't. And, and you're right. To put Nick Anderson in after that? Are you kidding? This guy has been terrible in the postseason. I just I don't understand the call. I don't at all think he should lose his job but I'm hopeful that other managers and cash will learn from this and say, okay, we need to adjust a little bit the way we're doing things, at least in the post season where the stakes are a lot higher and you have a much smaller sample size. And one thing I thought was interesting was
1: that I think that Austin Barnes hit, which was basically a bloop to center field. I, I almost think Kevin cash like wanted that to happen because I think Snell was probably coming out of the game then no matter what. I mean, they had Nick Anderson up in the bullpen already. Like for what reason? I mean, in a normal game, he had given up one hit to that point. He had nine strikeouts. Like he had 73 pitches. Why would you have someone up in the pen? The reason was because I don't think they were going to let Blake Snell pitch to the third, the third time through the order, no matter what, even if he had struck out Austin Barnes. And so, you know, I I think you're, you're exactly right. And John Smoltz is right that he's looking for a reason to get him out of the game. And they're like, Oh, Austin Barnes just got a hit. Now Mookie Betts is going to come up for the third time. We got to get him out of there. And it's. It's disheartening. I mean, we've talked about it before. We don't need to rehash the whole thing. But, you know, it just doesn't feel like we're ever going to be able to see, like, a Don Larson perfect game moment in the World Series or Roy Halladay in the playoffs. Like, those things are just never going to happen, right? Like I
0: said, if Snell had gone six innings without giving up a hit, he, he probably was coming out anyway. The concept of a workhorse or an innings eater does not exist in baseball anymore. It doesn't. And you're right. It's super disheartening. Let's turn now, Bobby,
1: to the biggest I guess, off-the-field controversy of this World Series. We talked about the biggest on-field one. The biggest off-the-field controversy, without a doubt, is this weird saga with Justin Turner, apparently. And and this only came out after the game. We find out that Turner left the game. I think the seventh inning, he gets pulled because the Dodgers find out. At that point, he had tested positive for COVID-19. I mean, the execution of this looks terrible from Major League Baseball. This is information that was relayed to the Dodgers during the game. But anyway, they pull Turner out. Nobody knows why. We find out he tests positive for COVID. He knew at that point that he had tested positive for COVID. And then after the game is over, we see Justin Turner out on the field with all of his teammates celebrating. The mat, he, he was wearing a mask for some of it, not for all of it. I mean, to me, really not a good look. But there's been some back and forth on this, Bobby. Where do you land on this whole thing?
0: Some information about this came out a couple hours ago that I thought was interesting. And it's not officially confirmed, so I'll say that but the word right now is that he actually tested positive the day before and baseball got the word and they just said, maybe it's a false positive and let him play anyway. If that is true and that happened, there are so many things wrong with this. So immediate gut reaction. I'm like, all right, all those guys are young. You know, let him out on the field. He'll never get this opportunity again. Or, or if he, you know, you have no idea if you'll get to that point again. You've worked so hard for this, especially Justin Turner. You know, he deserves to be out on the field. But there's a lot more at play here. One, if he did test positive the day before, what in God's name are you doing letting him play? Because you would have felt bad if it was a false positive? Are you insane? Number two, this wasn't just Justin Turner barging down the doors punching people and trying to be restrained he was clearly let out onto the field everyone saw it and they're just like well it's justin turner okay were players upset i don't know you haven't heard anything and and so i don't think you will and i also think there's this like a heartwarming factor that plays into it but you know kenley jansen has a heart condition and there were children on the field and you have no idea what's going on there it's like (laughs) i i I get it. I can't put myself in the position of winning a world series and, and I won't try to, but there's something greater than you happening here. And it was irresponsible. No, that's not even the right word. It was neglectful. There was negligence on MLB, on Rob Manfred, on Andrew Friedman, on Dave Roberts, and probably more importantly than anyone else on Justin Turner.
1: Yeah, you're right. Because to me, you know, I've heard people say, well, he was with his teammates the whole time before, anyway. So like they probably were exposed before that, anyway. But you're right; it was not just the Dodgers on the field. First of all, you had all their families on the field, and you also had like the production people, the stage people, setting everything up, who were not like exposed to Justin Turner beforehand. And even if you want to say it was just the Dodgers, like that's just because they had been exposed to him beforehand. That doesn't guarantee that they had gotten it, mm-hmm. right? But like the more you're exposed, I guess the greater your chances of getting it. So why 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 play Russian roulette and risk it like that? And in a sense, I felt bad for Justin Turner. You're right. This was probably the pinnacle of his career. I mean, we know his story. He was a Met and an Oriole. And he was a scrub, basically. like Not an important player. His career turns around with the Dodgers. He becomes like, you know, he's, he's, he's not going to be a Hall of Famer, right? So this is probably the pinnacle of his career. He's 35 years old. He's a free agent. So he might not even be on the Dodgers next year. This is There's a good chance this is the only time he's going to win the World Series in his career. And you feel bad that, like, he shouldn't be able to Fully experience that joy because he probably won 't get it again, but at the same time and, and, and i 'm not going to take credit for this idea myself because I heard other people say it this pandemic has been a really hard time for a lot of people, and you know not to get morbid, but there are a lot of people who did not were, were not able to go to their parents funerals, their siblings' funerals, their best friends funerals. For COVID and those are also like once in a lifetime opportunities in a bad sense, right? Like you're never gonna be able to go to your parents' funeral again. That's not Absolutely. something that you can do after COVID's over. Yep. And it sucks that those people have to miss it. So uh, you know, sorry, Justin Turner, that like you got unlucky and you tested positive, but I'm not gonna sit here and say, like, Justin Turner, this is the only time in his life he's gonna be able to celebrate a World Series, so like who cares that he had COVID? He should be able to go on the field. Like, sorry, compared to like the things that other people have had to deal with because of this, that that's nothing. And you know, he's still gonna be able to look had, even had he never gone onto the field afterwards to celebrate, he's still going to be able to look back on this as like the fondest moment of his career. And it'll continue to be celebrated. He'll, he'll, I'm sure like this Dodger team will have reunions going on years and years and years and he'll be able to relive this. And would it have sucked for him not to be able to experience the full thing? Of course. But that doesn't justify, I think you termed it perfectly,
0: the negligence that, that this exhibited. Absolutely. I, and, 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 and this is, the, I guess, the last thing I'll say on this he knew he had COVID and came back out bare minimum, bare minimum. You like stand at first base away from everybody else and you don't get involved. He was in the picture. He took his mask off. You watched him in the dugout, hugging people. What are you you doing? But whatever, let's, let's stay off the negative. This world series literally had everything, Jared. It had crazy decisions. It had clearly controversy with COVID. It had Clayton Kershaw winning. It was very entertaining. A Rosa Reyna. All in all, 1 to 10, and you can use decimals, where's this rank?
1: I think I'd put it at a 7, maybe a 6.5. I mean, like we talked about, Game 4 is an instant classic, so that's, that's one check mark for a great series, right? It didn't go 7 games, so that's like a mark against it. I don't think – it's very hard to have like a 9 or a 10 without having a 7-game series. Every game was pretty competitive, um, and so that's another mark for it. I think seven is probably a fair grade. Like, you know, it it had one classic game, and that that has to elevate it. But not going seven games, not having more than one classic game, to me, like, you have to downgrade it a little bit. Great series. Will I remember it for the rest of my life? Eh, probably not. I mean, game 4 I'll remember for a long time. But, you know, there's nothing else in this series. Maybe the Justin Turner COVID thing, honestly, but, like, that's not really a good thing.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I think we remember Kershaw. I think we remember game four, and I think we remember Rosarena. Is that enough to push it into the upper echelon of World Series? No, it's not. And, like, I even – honestly, I think seven is being generous. I was leaning towards, like, a six, and I guess game four puts it at, like, a six and a half. Right. It, it was – you know, I was entertained. As somebody who loves baseball, I was entertained. If you don't love baseball and you're just watching it for the championship, I mean, game four was great. And anything else, you're like, well. Ah! Okay, right.
1: right. They were just like normal, good games, but not not anything like super special like game four.
0: Yeah. And like also only one of those teams had names, you know, Kershaw and Betts. They all played for one team and the other team had Blake Snell, Tyler Glass now and Randy Rosarena. And it's like, ah, you know, if you're not such a baseball fan, do you really care? Probably not. I had plenty of friends who were just like, oh, I forgot the World Series was on, which is crazy. So six and a half, I think, is a fair, fair ranking.
1: Yeah, and the environment has to play a part in it, too. And that's not their fault. Absolutely. But, like, they're not playing in their home ballpark. So, like, imagine if that – I don't remember. Yeah, the Rays were the home team for that game four. I mean, the Rays have no fans. But let's just assume that they're playing in a park that's packed, like, in their in their home stadium. Like, that's an amazing atmosphere. That, And I'm sure it was great in the stadium in Texas. But, you know, that's not 40,000 Rays fans screaming at the top of their lungs, if there even are 40,000. But whatever. So that – you know, and that's not that's not – like I said, that's
0: not their fault. But – has to downgrade it a little bit too for me absolutely but man i'm just i'm just grateful we got to see a season of baseball right yeah like we said we were not
1: sure what was going to happen and we somehow made it through and, and got all in all an enjoyable world series so it's a win for us chatterboxes we hope you enjoyed this bonus content that we gave you we will be back with your regularly scheduled Chatter Up episode on Tuesday night, doing what we always do, covering the hottest stories in sports. We'll do some trivia, all that good stuff. Like we always tell you, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at Chatter underscore up. And you can send us an email at ChatterUpPodcast at gmail.com.
0: Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is an enormous thing for us. We would be sincerely grateful. See you Tuesday. See you later on the next Chatter Up.